and welcome to the Throw It In Rotation podcast, and we are happy to be bringing you our first ever NFL deep dive. Joining me as ever is Ashley Cadell, the Arizona Cardinals fan who are, of course, at bottom of the NFC West. But Ash, you're also an Arsenal fan, aren't you? Sat atop the Premier League table after 13 games. But it's got to be feeling pretty good. How does sort of contrast treating you? Yeah, obviously, fantastic. With the Gunners, you know, we're top of the league. Um, I've gone through some of the shit with the Arsenal. A bit less of the of the good. Missed the Wenger years for the well, for the yeah. better part of it anyway. But yeah, the Cardinals after last year's high from that, it's pretty it's pretty shit this this year. Yeah, definitely. You thought it was going to improve from there. Another year under Cliff Kingsbury, and mm. of course, you guaranteed that their offense would improve this year. But we'll get onto that. <laughs> oh no, this going to be a candidate. For... What the fuck are you no. talking about? <laughs> yeah, but we, we won't talk about that too much now. We'll get into what we're doing today. As I said, it's the NFL, our first NFL deep dive, and we're going to be looking a little bit at the NFC East and the NFC South, sort of how they seem to have flipped in the last few years um, in terms of their record, in terms of the quality inside the divisions and their playoff aspirations, sort of. Um, so we'll just set the scene. We'll take the pi- uh, paint the picture because, of course, the NFL is cyclical. Uh, we know how much they we value competitive balance, competitive equity with the draft and how they do the schedule, etc. Um, but I want to highlight this is a like a, a, a quite a weird anomaly how the two divisions have sort of flipped so so quickly and and from the extremes. Uh, if you look at it after obviously we're nine weeks into this 2022 season after week nine in 2020, the NFC East had just nine wins. Every team was at least two games below 500, while the NFC South had 18 wins. Um, that's obviously double the amount of wins. Uh, the NFC South would eventually be won by the 12-4 and four Saints. The Super Bowl champions, or the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, would obviously finish a game back in second. The South also had the Falcons, led by uh, former MVP Matt Ryan. The Panthers had just got off the Cam Newton train. They managed five wins with Teddy, um, but been from the East, it was completely awful. The NFC lease, the dumpster fire, and we all calling it that. Dumpster that would be fire. won by the yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. The uh, Commanders won that with a seven and nine record. They had twenty three total wins that that year. The only other division with less than thirty two was the AFC South. They had twenty seven, and they uh, they have the Jags and the Texans. So that's kind of cheating. And even uh, back in twenty nineteen, it was the same. They. The NFC East had just 24 wins. No other division had fewer than 30. So now, obviously, if you flip to a couple couple of years forward, the NFC East, after nine weeks, is sitting at 24 wins. The South has 13. No one's sitting above 500 in the NFC South. And, in fact, the, the basement dwellers in the East, uh, the Washington Commanders, would be, would be top of the NFC South, obviously, if they were in the NFC South. So... Um, with the NFC South teams in, in disarray and uh, the Giants are one of the feel-good stories of the year. The Eagles are probably the biggest story in the NFL this year, so we thought it would be a good a good chance to kind of deep dive into these teams, into these franchises. The Saints have <coughs> fallen off, the Falcons and the Panthers have all been uh, fighting for Super Bowls in the last decade or however long. So I thought it was a good chance to deep dive into these into these teams and see how the franchises have sort of changed, evolved, maybe devolved over the last few years. Ash, you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Let's go. Great topic, I think. 
obviously pretty interesting how it can change so quickly, but that's why the NFL is what it is. Absolutely, yeah. It's one of the reasons we love it. Anything could happen week to week and year to year. It changes so much. But like, you, you don't want it to be too random because we've seen this year where uh, it's sort of parity and people have been moaning about it because you can't really tell who's good. Everyone's hovering around 500. So like, the the East and the South have swapped to has has been to quite a an interest, interesting degree and it's been interesting to see how the leagues kind of played out this year because it's kind of been a theme that uh, the Packers and, and whatsoever some of the big powerhouses have fallen off in place of the the Jets and the like. So we, uh, which team shall we get into first here? How about we kick off with those Eagles? Eh? I think they're the main talking point, especially for the NFC. Um, complete opposite situation, really, for the Eagles. And compared to a couple of years ago, where they finished bottom of the division with a record of 4-11-1. Pretty terrible. Uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach, uh, his final year with the Eagles. Worst record since 2012 as well. Um, they started 3-4-1, so it wasn't too bad, but went on to lose seven of their last eight games. Pretty terrible. Um, Jalen Hurts was drafted that year uh, in the second round, but he wasn't anywhere near ready. And Jalen Riga, who was drafted 21st overall, um, he turned out to be a bust. Uh, so it wasn't looking promising for the Eagles at all, not to mention, obviously, the quarterback situa- situation. Carson Wentz, um, complete downward spiral for him. Mm, um, big time. Uh, Hertz ended up starting his first game in week 14, and it was Wentz's last year in Philly. Uh, he was benched in the third quarter against Green Bay week 13. Uh, he led the league in interceptions thrown with 15 uh, at the time of his benching, and he also led the league in total turnovers by the end of the year too. Um, he played just 12 games. So, just bad. Bad all round in, in, for the Eagles. Uh, Quite improvement. Uh, for the following year, finished 9-8 and eight for the 2021 season. Drafted Devonta Smith and Nick Sirianni came in as head coach. Mm. Still the current head coach and could be in the running for coach of the year. You've got to say, 8-0 at the minute. Um, so, Harry, I know you want to talk about Nick Sirianni. Uh, how about what your thoughts on how the Eagles have turned around from clearly that dreadful situation? Yeah, I think like going back pretty much exactly two years to that that week thirteen uh, game when Carson Wentz was was benched for Jalen Hurts. That's that's sort of um, the end of that era where they they won a Super Bowl only a couple of years prior. They've got Carson Wentz finally finally the wheels have completely fallen off, uh, and Doug Peterson was getting desperate that year. He actually benched. Jalen Hurts showed signs. He wasn't convincing anyone he was the quarterback of the future. But he actually ended up benching Hurts for Nate Sudfield in, in week 17 in sort of a desperation loss. Um, so obviously a week later he was fired and the Sirianni era begins. So I, th- I think that's a really interesting uh, point. And that, that's where the, all this now has, has come from. Um, and it was really bad, actually, the start of the last season, the 2021 season for Sirianni. Um, and for the for the Eagles in general, they started two and five for the first seven weeks. Um, they had a heavy emphasis on the the shotgun spread out passing offense. They had pretty much no focus on the run game, uh, reliance on RPOs. Hertz wasn't executing them. He wasn't making the right decisions, and it was just in general a, a lack of creativity in the play calling. Felt like they kind of had a, a lack of overall game plan. Um, and you know the Philadelphia fan base, how crazy they are on, on both sides of the spectrum, positive and negative. There were shouts for Sirianni, one and done, like he was going to get sacked at the end of the year for sure and all that. But they had a mini-buy after uh, week seven, 
and and from the first snap in in week eight, the things just seemed different. Hertz was lining up under center. They had all of a sudden a massive focus on the run game, a lot more free tight end uh, sets. They just started running the ball down the down the defenses throw and actually in the three week period after that uh that mini buy they increased their rushing yards per game from 116 to 144 uh they had seven point seven and a half design qb runs which was 4.6 in the first seven weeks of the season and like i said they increased their two and three uh what tight end sets um which carried on throughout the rest of the season they became the best running game in the uh, in the league, and they've carried that on into 2022 as well. And I just think it's really rare to see such a drastic uh, change in game plan in scheme in mid-season, and then it's like it's even rarer to see it work out, to see it actually work out as well as it did as well. So you've got to give credit to Sirianni there for having mm. the bollocks to do that. Not even in a buy, just after a mini a mini buy, he could have easily just tweaked things or be like, "No, this is what I believe. We're going to stick to these course." But he self scouted really well, and, and the rest of the coaching team, and they they made big changes, and it has been so fruitful, obviously. Yeah, I mean the the uh, offense has completely changed, and I mean even from last year, I think you can tell the differences in, in that offense now. Uh, Jalen Hurts is development has shot up he seems to be like yeah. a completely different quarterback his passing uh, ability I know I sort of said he's still a mid-range passer but you know I think this is still a big improvement uh, on, on what sure. he has done so yeah a few statistics for the offense uh, they ranked 26th in 2020 for points per game scored and they're now ranked second so obviously a big improvement there uh, and then they threw the fifth least yards per game the 2020 and now they throw them 10th most in the NFL so clearly a huge improvement um, for the Eagles and obviously Jalen Hurts as well yeah and it's a massive change in, in how they uh, how they run that offense and um, if they hadn't have had that same success that they did um, and it, you know it gave them like the identity it gave them something to to rally behind they were this running this team now they're gonna pound the rock and that's who they are try and stop us that sort of stuff um, but then the confidence that they gained in offense obviously that confidence was reflected in the front office they go and they trade for AJ Brown um, mm. uh, and um, they needed the confidence good why, why have they traded for that because they've got the confidence in their team that they will be a contender uh, they can be a contender with Jalen Hurts and with this offense so I, I think that's a absolutely crucial part of this story that um they they changed the offense. They had such success that they then had the confidence to go and pick up AJ Brown. And now, along with what you said, Jalen Hurts is improving all the time as a passer, as a general quarterback. So Sirianni can in, reintroduce as many of these different concepts and more complicated uh, passing plays back into the offense as Hurts improves, as as confidence continues um, to build confidence. Uh, the offense continues to build confidence, uh, and obviously they've got AJ Brown, who's a, a legitimate, superb number one wide receiver. So it's really worked out for him well. Uh, and if you look at uh, <clears throat> the offensive line as well, you know that's strong, and that sets the platform up for the rest of the offense. If you can have faith in that, especially with Jalen Hurts and his ability, rushing ability, uh, as well as giving him time uh, and space in the pocket. You know that's going to be a massive help, and I think that's all equally as good. You know you've got to give Nick Sirianni the credit, obviously changing the offense, adapting, using different schemes, as you were saying. Um, <clears throat> but obviously uh, he was probably a big part in the development of Hurts there too. Um, 
and obviously, as you said, AJ Brown, uh, Devonta Smith as well. Both of them just add an elite quality in the receiving core. You know, how important is that for the quarterback to have uh, those those great receivers out there? Beforehand, as we said, it, it was weak. Uh, you know, Jalen Riga was a bust. It didn't work out. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, uh, and I think that's obviously been crucial to how they've uh, developed overall you know, as a complete offense. Yeah, I think it's a good example of how the coaching and the front office is working uh, really well together to be proactive and to be aggressive and to give your team the, the best chance at winning. But it's not just the offense that has changed uh, under Sirianni. Um, even from last year to this year, the secondary has changed massively. Um, the completion percentage allowed last year in the 2021 season, 69.4%, which was not only the worst in the NFL last year, it was actually the 12th worst in NFL history. Um, they had 12 total interceptions last year. They have 12 already this year. Um, passing yards allowed, passer rating, all stuff like that has all got better this year as well. So you look into to what has caused that. Well, they picked up Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, for just a late-round pick uh, during camp. That was just uh, after he'd had a disagreement with the Rams coaching staff in camp. We'll get onto that a bit later with the Saints. But, again, that's good front office um, front good front office business to be able to to highlight here as a good player who's um, been undervalued by his own team at the minute because because of emotional stuff. So we'll pick him up. Um, and he mainly played in the slot before, but they've they've moved him to more of a free safety role. Um, and he's playing the best he ever had. He had five interceptions his last three years. He has five this year, and he he's playing. He's playing the best football he ever has. So, again, that's a good combination of coaching and front office working together to, to scout a player, pick up a player, and then get the absolute best out of him. They also picked up James Bradbury in free agency. Uh, he's been really good. And um, thanks to this good secondary play, it's allowed the offense to... I don't know. I still don't know if they've scored 30 points the, this season yet, the offense. But the the good secondary players allowed them to always be in control of games, be ahead, which means they can stay on script, stay with the running game and, and sort of do what they like on offense. So, again, it's, it's everything just meshing and, and working together really well. Yeah, definitely um, all-round all improvement. I think we should wrap up the Eagles there, though, with... Obviously, we've said a lot about um, how well the Eagles have been, but I think we've been a, still a little cautious on how they could do later on in the playoffs. But, Harry, what do you think? Are they capable of getting to the Super Bowl and winning it? I definitely think they are because um, they don't have any weaknesses um, or many weaknesses. Uh, I, f I think there definitely is something to say about having a sort of softer schedule during the year. But um, we'll say some of their teams, some of the teams they are they are still yet to play. Well, maybe we'll be saying that the schedule wasn't as soft as we originally thought it was. Um, but if they carry on, if they carry on winning, they've got the weapons there on offense. Obviously, Jalen Hurts. It seems to me like he he's absolutely got the um, got the mentality for. For being a a great super uh, a great potentially Super Bowl winning quarterback, after interviews he's kind of just steely eyes. He's like, I'm just prepared to do whatever it takes every single day to win, and that's the attitude that you need. Mm. I think he's got it. I think Sirianni's got it as well. And these guys are all playing for each other. They're playing better than they are as a team. Um, and who's gonna beat him really this year? You like, there's not too many powerhouses. So yeah, I think. I would be kidding myself if I said that I don't think the Eagles can win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, as we said, we've sort of slated the NFC before, um, and you can tell 
that they are probably the best team at the minute, uh, probably going forward. So yeah, can definitely see that happening. But I'm going to say that they they're not they're going to bowl it um, in the playoffs. I'm sticking with that prediction. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Who should we go on to next? So let's move on to the Cowboys, shall we? So obviously let's they're another team who have dramatically improved. Um, they finished third in the NFC. Cooper East. Rush, Cooper, Rush, <laughs> Cooper, Rush, Cooper, Rush, Cooper, Rush, Cooper. Sorry for sorry for the interruption, Ashley. Um, yeah, that was a drop, not not me. If anybody couldn't tell, you needed the uh, the drop in to reminder of that. And what that, what was it? What was it? Was it was a haiku? It was the haiku. Haiku, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. a haiku. Go check out our two sentence season reviews episode if you haven't already done so. Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Go ahead. So yeah, Cowboys finished the uh, 2020 season six and ten in Mike McCarthy's first year as head coach in Dallas. Obviously, yeah, they finished third in that in that division. Um, so complete change turnaround really. Now uh, they're now six and two um, after nine weeks and a lot of good things about the Cowboys. Um, if we move back to 2020, obviously their season took a big hit due to injuries. We remember Dak Prescott's broken yeah. angle week five against the Giants. Pretty gruesome there. Mm. And Andy Dalton was the main quarterback replacement, but it was quite funny, really, the quarterback situation at times there for the Cowboys. Uh, the likes of Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert coming oh, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Crazy. So... You can see why it wasn't the best of years for the Cowboys. Um, but even even when Dak was there, they were still 2-3 and three after week 5. So, I mean, they hadn't exactly yeah. made a blistering start. Um, C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs were, were drafted at the beginning of that year. Um, perhaps hadn't quite Pretty had nice. time to set, settle at, at that yeah, point. Yeah. But obviously now you see the difference. They've really become key pieces on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and a huge difference as well in the draft which has now really propelled them to this level. Uh, obviously, the addition of Michael Parsons. Yes, um, there we go. Absolutely. You know, we could not be talking about the Cowboys' successes now without talking about that guy. He's been incredible, obviously. This episode your... wouldn't exist without Michael Parsons. We, the NFC, the Cowboys would, would have lost a lot more games and it wouldn't really have worked. Like, Michael Parsons is God. <laughs> Were you were you waiting for me to mention him? Were you a bit like, why has he not spoken about him yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, the tension was building up. I was like, <laughs> shouting at you. Where's Micah Parsons? There you go. You're Don't just worry, teasing. he's there. He's there. Uh, obviously, second in the NFC East now. Uh, I mean, that defense massively improved. Obviously. Oh yeah, so good. Adding in a playmaker like Parsons is obviously going to really make make a huge impact. But as we say, bringing in the likes of Trevon Diggs, uh, you know that's. Again, another huge part. So nice uh, front office work there. Um, they're now conceding the third lowest points per game in the NFL uh, and the four fewest pass yards per game. Compared to the 2022 season, Gallus were conceding the fifth most points per game and the second most rush yards. So a huge change there. Mike Nolan, was the, who was the former 49ers head coach, he was, uh, Dallas, he was the defensive coordinator in 2020. He hasn't even had another job since. Uh, and, he, and obviously that, that defensive coordinator role has been handed over to Dan Quinn he was head coach mm. of the Falcons um, but he was named as assistant coach of the year for 2021 uh, last year Dallas went 12-5 and for 
the last season. So obviously he's been a huge factor in in their improvement. Uh, that defense overall has been massive, uh, and to their success, Harry. Uh, what did you have on Dan Quinn? Oh yeah, you've got a. Well, I said Micah Parsons is um, is the reason we're talking about it. Well, Dan Quinn is, I think, probably equally responsible. They're both saving Mike McCarthy's job for the time being, but Dan Quinn took over the 28th-ranked defense uh, in 2020, as you sort of alluded to. Um, he's turned it into the top 10 outfit, I think it's safe to say, last year. And I think arguably the best defense in the league this year, maybe the Jets after the last week have got something to say about that. Um, but yeah, like you said, you said the stats have got the most sacks this year um, and they're just playing such aggressive, good to watch football. It reminds people of teams of Cowboys teams from, from the past and what Micah Parsons is able to do, dropping into coverage, uh, blitzing from any position is, is so impressive. Like you said, they've drafted well. Parsons, Diggs got 11 interceptions last year, um, but I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of credit has to go to Dan Quinn uh, and the scheme and the way he's got those players because it's been it's been night and day really from from the Mike Nolan years and it's been a pretty a pretty quick turnaround at that as well and um, and obviously with Dak Prescott's injuries obviously he missed quite a few games this year where uh, what was it four and then Cooper Rush that's why you play the Cooper Rush job Cooper Rush doesn't lose any of them he's uh, <laughs> he's got a big play part to play um obviously he wasn't extending himself too much in those games he wasn't winning them uh, as a quarterback himself credit has to go to mike mccarthy did his job didn't he he didn't yeah, make any mistakes didn't, he didn't yeah, 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 lose for games sure. for them and that, that's so imperative especially in such in, well. in a role like that yeah and the coaches here uh, mike mccarthy and kellen moore did well to coach around that sort of situation because um, uh, the offense, uh, maybe they'll look back at the end of the year and say it was sort of the best thing that going down for those few weeks. Because um, that offense looked really bad because uh, he played most of week one against the Buccaneers. So um, they've sort of had a chance to reset, see what works for them. Uh, see Tony Pollard sort of explode this year. He's overtaken Zeke, obviously, in my opinion. Don't think there's much debate really about that. Mm. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't another... say Dak's really been uh, great, though. Um, I know no. he, there's not been. He's not played many games, of course, but the games he's been back, uh, 250 yards in, in the last game against the Bears, a couple of touchdowns in INT, you know, even like last year, was he was he that good? Uh, I don't no. know if he was really, you know, those times where he, where he did well, um, but I don't, I'm not too sure, but when you've got a defense as good as that, you just need the offense to be, be doing its job, and Dax, you know, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I think he's play, He's quite a fair bit removed now from his best football, though. And I think um, Jerry Jerry Jones, I said Mike McCarthy's job has been saved for now, but Sean Payton is looming. Jerry, um, not Jerry Jones. Oh uh, yeah, Jerry Jones will be will be judging the, this whole team, this whole the players and coaching staff on playoff wins if they. If they look all right because of their defense and Dak is all right throughout the regular season, then they shit the bed again in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I think Mike McCarthy could easily be gone out the door. Um, uh, so Dak needs to step up for for Mike. <laughs> um, but again, they, with Dak and with the weapons they've got and the defense, they can cause anyone in the NS, um, NFC issues in the playoffs. I think another key part of of how they've managed to kind of turn it around and how spirits are different now. Obviously, a key part of that defense is Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, looked 
uh, like he could potentially be leaving, but they signed him to a uh, quite a big three-year contract of what I think it was in the off season. And like we said, we've had they've had to rely on that defense now for a, a couple of years. And in fact, before the Sunday's win over the Bears, they hadn't given up 18 points in a game this year. So it's a very good defense, and um, the Cowboys looking very dangerous in that NFC East and the NFC in general. Oh yeah, I mean, as was just alluded to before, you look at the rest of the NFC. Um, who who's really going to cause them too much of an issue uh, at this moment in time? You know, obviously uh, they did lose uh, to the Eagles, um, but you can see them easily being in with a chance of of making a run to to the Super Bowl and maybe finding the Eagles here later on. Um, you know. I, I'm looking at these offences and I don't know if any of them are good enough to really challenge the Cowboys. Well, I don't know. What, what do you think? Um, yeah, no, I agree. We'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out and if any of these NFC teams' offences kind of emerge, if the offences sort of, of pull it out. But um, it, it's been nine weeks now. It's looking like the sort of landscape of the league has changed in terms of the offences and how many points and, and it's defences on top sort of thing so I can see that that going over uh, continuing into the playoffs and the Cow- if so the Cowboys are set up perfectly for that because they've got Dak who should be protecting the ball at the very least uh, even if he's not peaked Dak and then they've got a defence who's shown they can not give up yards, not give up points but also turn turn the ball over with trade digs and with their sacks and, and all the turnovers this year so um, I mean, that's a recipe for success in the playoffs. So Cowboys fans got a feeling so much better than they did uh, at various points over the last 18 months. Definitely. And obviously, there's still a long way to go. A lot of things can change. Injuries, just teams falling off the wagon, offences spiking. I'm sure you're probably a bit excited about the Buccaneers after their win. Um, but we will talk about Some that hope. a bit later, I'm sure. Um, how, who have we got up next, then, Harry? Well, shall we move to the NFC South, or shall we shall we keep it on the NFC East train? Probably wrap up the East first, you reckon? All right, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's wrap up the NFC East. Let's talk about the Giants again. One of the NFC, uh, one of the NFL's biggest stories this year. Um, and what's been so remarkable is that they've they've not like found a quarterback all of a sudden, sort of like the Eagles, or um, they've not drafted a load of first round. They've not got a lot of talent. Full stop. Um, what they have done is completely overhauled their coaching staff, new faces everywhere. Um, Brian Dable obviously coming in as head coach. Wink Martindale's the most experienced. Uh, they've got there going in as defensive coordinator, and Mike Kafka as the OC. Um, they had a bad cap sitch going into the season, as well as a pretty talent, um, talent poor team. They've got Daniel Jones as a quarterback. Like, let me just read the. Um, this is ESPN sort of uh, pre-match summary for the NFC East. They they're doing a fill in the rest of the sentence sort of thing. So it's Giants win the division if all the other teams quit on the season. Really, <laughs> something crazy would need to happen for these Giants to win the NFC East. Their roster is weak and they are going to be relying heavily on rookies. Not ideal. In addition, running back Saquon Barkley would need to play like he did pre-injury as a rookie. Quarterback Daniel Jones needs a Josh Allen-like jump. 
and most of Barkley Jones and receivers Kenny Galladay, Gadarius Tony, and Sterling Shepard must remain healthy. That seems to be asking a lot. And it was asking a lot, and basically none of that has actually happened yet. They've still found success. Yeah, the big one is running back Saquon Barkley finding his fitness, and he actually looks better now than probably he ever did. That's uh, the main one, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, no. In it, terms it, of it, talent and players making the difference, Saquon is pretty much carrying that offense. And that was the one of the main things that was pointed out in, in that list you just said. Definitely, yeah. But it, it just goes to show, like that a running game is not necessarily enough to to get you playing like this. You need yeah. other stuff as well, especially when you you caught. But I'm, I think it's all down to the coaches, really, because like Daniel Jones has not had any jump. I think he's probably. He's playing no better than he than he has before. He's actually his worst PFF grade ever uh, of his career. Daniel Germ, Ger- Daniel Germs, Daniel <laughs> Jones. He's not turning it over. That's that's the main thing. And I think you got to look at the coaches for that. He's only had two interceptions, three fumbles by far on track for for at least well, of his career. And both of those uh, give him I give him a bit of coaching. credit there. Uh, you know, obviously you see how easy it is to turn the ball over in the NFL. Uh, you know he. He's doing well, protecting the ball at least, you know. And he's had a few years now. He he's still make able to make quite intelligent runs and, uh, and quite big plays with his legs as well. So there's there's got to be some credit for for Daniel Jones. Oh yeah, no, that absolutely is. But I think it, I think it comes from the coaches in that uh, they're asking him. They're not asking him to do a lot because yeah. that that run game is working so well. Uh, he hasn't thrown for 220 yards in a game yet because. Well. Um, they're not asking. They're not asking him for him to do that, and so they've sort of realised their limitations. They've self scouted well, and they, um, Mike Kafka, the OC, is um, he's made it making it easier on Danny Dimes to move the ball without risking too much. He's only thrown a couple of picks, and and that's because of the play call, and he's not being forced to do too much. It doesn't look like Daniel Jones has taken a big step forward at, like as a quarterback only in terms of the mental sort of side and not making yeah. these mistakes and being a bit calmer and they they've been they should be given credit the coaches and of course Daniel Jones for being able to unlock that that run game um as you said like uh, he has more yards than Jalen Hurts this year um but the, like, the defense is held strong as well i think uh, obviously uh, there's been so some nice moves there, uh, and being able to. I'm looking at their their results here, and I don't think they've conceded more than thirty points in a game. Uh, obviously, yeah. the schedule's perhaps a little bit soft, and I, I was literally gonna gonna say like I think you, you you look at the giant situation, you think it's, it can't last, but but then you look at their schedule, and you know they have got the Texans, the Lions, uh, Cowboys, but they which. I, I could probably see them losing that but then commanders um you know they've got quite a soft schedule you could see them certainly getting uh, quite a good record by the end of the regular season whether that would translate to how good they were uh, just who they're playing you know that's just obviously just how one of those how how it works in the nfl like we said about the commanders uh, should they really been winning the division making the playoffs at seven and nine obviously i'm not saying the giants are obviously quite like that obviously they are a good team but Maybe their record will will lie uh, towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's been saying they're like the worst six and one team or or whatever like that. But they they keep winning, and it, they, I think all their wins have been by one possession. And you can look at that maybe as a bit lucky, but I, I think you look at it as they're being coached the best. They're being the best in the situational football. Uh, they're playing the hardest when it absolutely matters. Um, and and I think a lot of that comes from Brian Dable 
and his personality and the culture that he's now setting. He won five Super Bowls with the Patriots. He's kind of got that New England winning culture, but so did Joe Judge, who was there before. But I think Dayball is different because he brings, you know, he brings joy and hype and juice and positivity and as well as the sort of uh, the strictness and the regimented and this is what we need to do to win. Uh, and and I think he also deserves credit for like he's come from the Bills offensive coordinator and obviously that Bills offense passing off pass first offense you've got Josh Allen so for him to be able to come to coaching Danny Dimes and running this offense completely diff- different just um, absolutely rushing the ball all the time we love to rush <laughs> we love to rush. Uh, as you know, um, so to be able to do that, the adaptability I think is really impressive, and he, he looks like he's creating a, a winning culture really early with Giants, even without a lot of talent. Yeah, I, I agree with there. Um, as we'll see, uh, as we said, we'll, we'll see how that can work out. A lot to go, a lot to can change. Imagine if an injury to Saquon Barkley, how how much that would derail this. Yeah, yeah, but I get like, on the lines of what you were saying. I don't. I'd, Obviously, at six and two, you you letting yourself think whatever, but like it doesn't feel like a Super Bowl team, like and no. it shouldn't be at, at this point. So, it should just really positive signs of of what it's going to be like in this Brian Dable era, um, and maybe when they get a quarterback that that's not Danny Dimes or whatever. Um, I think that I think that they've done an incredibly incredible job. I think Dable. Absolutely, obviously, he's already been touted, but he should be favourite for coach of uh, coach of the year. No, they have the second fewest missed tackles. It's stuff like that. They've dealt with injuries themselves. I think uh, they're playing to their strength. I think it's it's a really impressive job by this coaching staff. Oh yeah, definitely got to give them credit. And you know, who who knows? They could end up going on on a big run and making their way there. Um, but shall we wrap up uh, the NFCs with the Commanders? Um, yeah, yeah. Just before we move, I I wanted to say I I keep waffling, but the Giants that. They're doing this as well. They had two top ten first round picks, um, Thibodeau and Evan Neal. And Evan Neal's had a PFF grade. They've both been banged up. PFF grade below fifty. Thibodeau has one sack. So like the coaching staff is doing it without uh, like yeah. first round rookies making a big impact as well. So even more impressive. Sorry to interrupt your segue. Go on. No, no, uh, that's a great point. Great point because obviously everyone was saying how good those draft picks were. But again, credit to Brian Dable. But yes, as we said, the Commanders. Um, how did they win that division? Seven and nine. I'm not sure if I really like that they were in the playoffs. To be honest, uh, yeah, they played the Bucks in the wild card round, and they kind of they gave us a bit of a scare at one point. Taylor Heineke, the boy. I think he played like you might expect him to in a playoff game. Like there were mistakes in an interception or two, but like he rushed. He he had some really big moments where he kind of put the team on his back and showed some heart. But ultimately, they fell quite short. They, I bet they weren't expecting to to be sat with Taylor Heineke at quarterback again a couple of years later. <laughs> no, I don't think they were. Um, but I mean, Carson Wentz, really? That's yeah, what you're thinking, guys? Ron Rivera, fucking Nathan. Um, you fool. And, you know, not much has changed, really, with Commanders, as we said. Heineke's still there. Uh, Ron Rivera's still there. The offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio are still there. Um, Four and five, they could be on track for a similar sort of uh, record by the the end of the year. Obviously, the extra game. But um, 
I could see them being hovering around 500, but with the rest well, of... Their wins have all been really fortunate as well, so... Oh, it's only recently where they've sort of got a few wins. They were, yeah, I think, yeah, they were one yeah. and four at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I could see it dropping off. I can't see them really finishing over 500, to be honest. Um, no. You look at the strength of, of the that division, as we said, uh, I can't see much. Taylor Heineke, though... Uh, you know what? I can't. I kind of like him a little bit for some reason. He got spunk. Yeah, I like him, and I just hate Carson Wentz. So you know what? Just keep Carson Wentz out. Leave Heineke in. He'll, he'll win you a few if you're lucky. Ron Rivera is kind of pissed me off. Um, you were hot on them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. Well, I was expecting more. That defensive mm. line has been disappointing. Not like it should have been an insane defensive line, and obviously they've. Been missing Chase Young a like, lot. I don't know what's happening with Chase. Yeah, Young. I thought he was sort of be coming back, but I was then going to say I don't think he's actually played really this year, has he? Yeah, could probably case of missing the next the whole year or whatever. I don't know without looking into it, but um, that's obviously been majorly disappointing, and the offense has just been so depressing since Rivera got there. I don't think I don't know, mate. I I can't see him getting too much time. You say the same guys are still there or whatever. They flute that division win. Nothing's really changing. They've gone from first to fourth in these two two years, but um, nothing really seems to have changed. They're stagnating. They're getting worse. Um, I think it's time for big changes at Washington in terms of the owners, in terms of just everything. Strip all down to the ground. Start again. Or st- set it all on fire. Yeah, uh, bring a team to UK. Just replace Washington <laughs> with a team from the UK. Just get rid of them. Be, just be done with all that bullshit. All the Dan Snyder rubbish. This awful product on the field as well. Carson Wentz, are you kidding me? <laughs> get a UK team. Come we on. don't need them. We don't need them. Don't need them. So yeah, we'll we'll put the NFC East there. We will go for a quick break and then we will turn for a deep dive into the NFC South. Welcome back to the Throat and Rotation podcast. We've just had a deep dive into the NFC East, uh, had a look at how the, sta- the standings have changed, how the teams have sort of swapped, and we're going to have another little look now at the NFC South. Um, obviously, there's been some quite big changes there as well, and we're going to start off with Harry's team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um not been a great year so far, but a win against the Rams uh, at the weekend, as you said earlier, a bit of hope. Yeah, the um, this episode is meant to be last week originally. I'm really glad we're doing it this week instead because um, there's quite a big <laughs> difference in it. It's only because of one bloody drive, but um, it was just despair last week, and now at least there is a bit of hope. We're sat atop oh, the no. NFC South. What do you mean, oh no? No, no, no. Sorry, I meant like I, I completely understand what you mean because um, now that the Cardinals uh, didn't win, like we we're with now three and six, that seems seems so much worse than four and five. Oh yeah, even no. though it's only one game, it just really does. I don't, 100%, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sounds awful, um, especially in your <laughs> division with the the Seahawks. We've got six wins now, I think. Yep, not good. Not good at all. But um, uh, what do you think then, as an in impartial watcher? Uh, what have you made of the Bucks season? Oh, it's it's. I, 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 there was quite a lot to it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. 
Um, a lot. So many differences between the last couple of years. But I think, obviously, the, the underlying thing is it's Bruce Arians, isn't it? That's what uh, I think. No, nobody being there. There's not a lot of it's people just, talking about it, but I agree. Uh, I think it, it's got to be. Um, there's there's quite a few similarities actually. Um, you know, it, it wasn't exactly plain sailing the, the, during the regular season where when you won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, you were you were uh, seven and five after twelve weeks, uh, and obviously you turned it around after the bye, and who knows, obviously what can happen later on this year. But you know, this this was. This, Similar to how how you were at that point. Yeah, um, we had struggles on the run too. Like Fournette was like a healthy stretch in a game. Yeah, and and, and the run issues are still there. Yeah, big time. It weren't as if before you you this amazing Russian team. Yeah, uh, slightly better, but um, they need to be. And now uh, the run game is just pretty much non-existent. Um, and obviously Tom Brady, he's still still been doing well in parts, but. He's not been putting up the same sort sort of numbers in terms of touchdowns, and ultimately that is uh, impacting it. Uh, it comes down to the points on the board, and and that's not what what you're getting. Uh, there's not been touchdowns, obviously the run game as well. But Tom Brady was throwing a lot more uh, touchdowns in 2020 oh, than yeah. he is now. Um, so you know, obviously you are four and five, uh, and you are actually now top of the division, uh, the same record as the Falcons. Um, and, but you know, and Brady was finally able to get his hoodoo, get over his uh, Saints hoodoo in the regular season. That um, felt nice. But yeah, as we said, so many issues across that offense. It's hard to pinpoint which one uh, is the most important. But as we said, I, th- I think it's Bruce Arians. Um, but you know, huge issues on the O line. I think uh, second yeah. to that is probably the, the next one. Uh, you know that's been massive. No, no Ryan, Ryan Jensen. You know he's equally has been important as Bruce Arians. There, so, so same with um, the other miss of Ali Marpet and Alex Kappa. Yeah. Um, you know that's allowed Brady to get under more pressure. Not been as much sacks, but you know they're, they're not been able to take as many deep shots. And obviously that also follows into without having Gronk there, uh, the speed of Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of different things. Gronk was his uh, Brady's guy, and he's not quite yeah. there anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's another big thing. So coupled in with that uh, on the O line, you, you can see why these sorts of things are happening and why the Bucks are are nowhere near as explosive. Um, but ultimately, for me, I think it comes down to Bruce Arians there. It's that sort of bit of extra nous uh, and getting plays over the line. Like obviously, Brady's still passing the ball fairly well. Like in terms of like. Oh yeah, yards per his game. arm is fine. Like, yeah, there's not much difference in it at all. It's just that final hurdle, maybe a bit more clever play calling, mixing it up at the end. That's what you're lacking. Um, so yeah, as we said, Bruce Arians, a major loss. No, I absolutely agree, and you touched upon the big offensive line issues. We had injuries and other departures as well, but you like you feel like these are things that good teams or, or great teams, as we have been and we're trying to be get over this sort of stuff and I don't think you can get over it when Byron Leftwich is running such a predictable offense it um it just runs up the middle too much we're, we're throwing short of the sticks on third down and like you say there's no creativity in the play calling let's see uh, I'll just play um a little drop for you here this is uh, in the Ravens loss a couple of Ravens defensive players on the sideline 
Come on. This is real talk. Real talk. The same players out of different formations. Same. Nothing we haven't seen before. So he's saying it's the same players, just from different formations. It's nothing we haven't seen before. And then the later on in the same game, there was this as well. They're basically saying stop the run on first down, shot the uh, stop the short passes on the first early downs or whatever. Um, and then we'll be able to 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 get to him, go all after him on the third down. It's just so predictable. Watching our offense right now, um, there, there's no creativity. It feels like there's no overall game plan as well. And and you saw when we just handed it to at the end of that Rams game, uh, we just said Brady, do what you like, um, do what you've been doing for twenty odd years. And we've got the players who can create separation with. Um, we need to trust the O-line more, I think. Yeah, it's not been great, but I think really it's been poor in the O-line. And in pass protection, it's not been that bad. And partly that is partly because Brady has the shortest time to throw in the league, I think, quite considerably. And uh, But it just feels like we've been playing scared. Like, in turn, we've been scared of that offensive line. Brady's been a bit scared. Um, and the plays calling has been scared. We're not taking enough shots. We're not, uh, we're not doing enough play action. Which obviously you'd say is because we're not getting the getting the run game going, but you don't necessarily need an effective run game to be effective in the play action. That's been proven before. So, like, I want to see some more of that. And, and uh, to your to your main point, like um, the decision to let Bruce Arians go, and, and some say it was Brady's decision. Basically, is looking very interesting right now. We need some creativity. We need some fire. We need some balls. We need some biscuits. And that's obviously all what Bruce Arians was known for. Maybe he could get this, this team out of the funk because it's, it's not just the X's and O's. There's something just wrong with the, with the with the team. The wide receivers are not playing well. Mike Evans is making big-time drops, which he never does. Chris Godwin is, obviously, he's just getting back from injury. There's been miscommunications. Maybe you need some of that Bruce Arians, you know, bit of something, something, a bit of personality and fire to, to really get this, this going. So it's looking like a very interesting decision right now. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think the explosive nature uh, is just not there. Uh, yeah. The, the, that bit of magic on yeah. the offense. Uh, had thirteen touchdowns from outside the opposing twenty in twenty twenty. Mm. Um, but this year you've um, struggled to make those deep plays. At the time of the article I read that was from the Athletic. Um, that was. Uh, few weeks ago um so that may have extended now but i can't really think of too many if there has been yeah, yeah no definitely not and we've not we've not been explosive as you say but we've been really poor converting in the red zone as well so just not been getting point field goal yeah, offense um it's yeah uh, you see yeah, ryan suck up's always on the field isn't he getting those you're, you're racking up the the nines and twelves just purely for yeah. field goals um I think the run game is a, is an issue as well. Lowest rush yards per game for twenty twenty two in the league. Only yeah, it's that historically better. bad. Yeah, it was only marginally better in twenty twenty. Uh, it was ranked twenty eight, but you're averaging around fifty less yards per game on offense compared to twenty twenty. Um, maybe that little bit of extra on the rush can help open a, the, the playbook up, can't it? Oh, yeah. You know, it makes yeah, yeah, it the, the, the pressure on, on second down, third down a bit easier if you've got you know, Fournette getting a, at least a five or six yard gain on, on, on first or second down. Uh, you know, 
if, if you're not getting that, uh, that really restricts what you can do. And obviously, uh, a bit, it's natural that your offense becomes predictable, as we said. Um, but also, that has got to come down to the coaching and just, you know, they're NFL coaches. You know, they need to be thinking of ways to combat yeah, that yeah, at yeah. the end of the day. You look at some of the magic that Andy Reid and etc. are working up. Um, but after that Super Bowl win, the Bucks had a lot of continuation. Obviously, uh, they retained all 22 of their starters. That hadn't happened for a Super Bowl team for a long time. But then we lost so much of that experience coming into this year. Not just on the offensive line, as you say. Not just Gronk. Not just Antonio Brown in that absolutely bizarre fashion against the Jets last year. But also on that defensive line. Because we're talking about our run game offensively. But also we've not been able to stop the run which has actually been a hallmark of this Bowles defense since he's been here and it's kind of set up everything else for us. Teams have had to go um, had to go through the air and then our kind of young secondary has been able to get picks and, and we've had short fields and it's all been working in synergy. But we lose Sue, uh, we lose JPP and um, we sort of had injuries this year. We're relying on rookies and younger players and the same thing's happening on the offensive line. So I think if you look at the trenches, that's where it's... It's key, really. That's where everything comes from. And uh, that that the win against the Rams, that final drive, does give us some hope. Our defense is not playing poorly at all throughout this whole year. Um, so I think, you know, Nick Leverett looks like a good upgrade on that offensive line. So maybe with some time to gel these young guys in the trenches, it will, it will keep getting better. And as we know, the NFC sucks. The <coughs> NFC self sucks. So even if we don't get too much better, then, then we'd probably be in the playoffs anyway. Well, oh yeah, and you can see how uh, uh, maybe the offense can just click. You know, I think mm. you've seen enough. You know, we've as we just alluded to with Brady, how how he's still got his arm there, got the players there. They could all of a sudden it could click. You know, as we said, it wasn't plain sailing uh, when you weren't the Super Bowl winning year. Um, but then after your week thirteen bye, um, you didn't lose a game uh, in the uh, and you gained yeah. momentum. Uh, especially Tom Brady, you know, he really upped his game as well after the bye. He had thrown seven interceptions in four games prior to the bye, and then he threw just one in the remaining four weeks of the regular season. Um, so, you know, how clutch Tom Brady is, heading down the stretch, you know, he'll t- his time for him to get it going could easily see it uh, turn around. And as we said, how important is it to be four and five and not three and six? Yeah, it's massive, just purely from a psychological standpoint and getting, you know, a last-minute win. Everything Brady's been going through, everything the team has sort of gone through, uh, is really nice to get on a positive spirit. And as you say, now they're top of the NFC South um, alongside uh, the Atlanta Falcons, one team who is no longer top of the NFC South and won't be for a long time. It's the New Orleans Saints. Um, and their sort of demise over the last few years has uh, you know it's pos- potentially e- quite easy to explain on the surface they lose two potential hall of famers in Sean Payton the head coach and before that Drew Brees um I feel like it was time for for them to move on from that the Bucks absolutely rattled them who retired Drew Brees in that, in that um Super Bowl run and they they Three had long... INTs for Brees in that uh, playoff yeah, game it was for just 134 yards mm, the Brady yes, take overshot me back. him he really did <laughs> wow those are the days um uh, but yeah they had a long window that they were the NFC powerhouse for a, for a long time but they never really took advantage of it with playoff success uh, but that doesn't necessarily losing those two doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be 
as bad as they are right now, I think the main thing, obviously, Dennis Allen comes in, but they've, they've not been able to get a quarterback that works for them. Taysom experiment, nope. Jameis experiment, nope. Andy Dalton experiment <laughs> can only take you so far. Even gave Trevor Simeon a little bit of a go in yeah, 2020, no, no. didn't they? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, quarterback situation uh, has been dire, really, and uh, that's been the main thing. When Winston has turned it on like we know he can, yeah, they've got going, but the inconsistency, uh, just, it's just not what been working as overall. And the injury, they don't really to be fair. Win. Injuries. Yeah, the injuries as well, and yeah. also injury. You know, Michael Thomas can't stay fit either. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trevor but, Penning know, hasn't played a snap for them. Who's been there? Who's their first round tackle pick? But they they want Andy Dalton. <laughs> He's their best option at the minute. Mm. Um, he seems to want those places as starting QB. They Jameson Winston want Jameis Winston wanted out. Um, oh yeah, you know. It's not looking great for the Saints. Uh, obviously, division winners a couple of years ago, twelve and four ahead of the, uh, the Bucks. How different it was then. Uh, now uh, that dreaded three and six. Uh, what, what what can they do there to change it around? Oh, uh, it's quite tough. I probably would be looking trying to get onto back onto Jameis Winston if I if he is healthy. To be honest with you, I think. Yeah, the effect of ceiling on that offense is Yeah, I, man, I just yeah. cannot shake this relationship with Jameis Winston. I need him to <laughs> you really retire. Can. Just to get out of my head. He's living there, <laughs> rent-free. Um, but I, I don't know. This t- It kind of surprised me looking into, it, uh, looking into it. And in terms of statistics, they've not actually been that bad this year. They're top 10 in, in terms of pass yards on, on, on the offensive side of the ball. Top 15 rush-wise. DVOA, uh, offense, defensive, not too bad. They're only giving up 320 yards per game, which is the 11th lowest in the league. And then uh, they've only uh, had one. And Andy Dalton as well. Sorry to interrupt you there. I mean, Andy Dalton, I know he threw those uh, pick sixes against the Cardinals, but in general, it, he's had highs, he's had yeah. A great PFF grade, and he's mm. been doing all right. Yeah, no, that's what it's kind of been quite peculiar. They've been insist- inconsistent, very up and down. Obviously, they just had that mm. shout-out of the Raiders where they looked so good. Um, but maybe injuries plays a part in that as well. But I, I just think Dennis Allen is so uninspiring. He's been their de- defensive coordinator for quite a while now, meant to be a really good defensive coach. But their defense has got better as it's regressed. They've um, had the fifth most points given up this season. Um yeah, and it's sort of getting older, that team. I think we touched on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson earlier. I think that was his first real test as head coach. And for me, he failed it. It was kind of... It didn't seem like such a big dispute. Um, and I don't know. It seemed like he was trying to assert his authority, put his foot down early on a team. Obviously, it's tough to follow up such a enigmatic head coach like Sean Payton. So, I don't know. That secondary was so good before. And to give up Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because you're inside your emotions so much, you I don't think it was a good business decision. He could have given it a few days off, and then like it would have been fine if he didn't trade it. Everything eventually would have been fine, and then your secondary's gotten worse while while that player's gone on and and looked to improve and improve the another team's defense. Uh, so I think uh, I think that's a mistake from Dennis Allen, and and I don't know. It kind of seems like this team's lacking a bit of personality, um, and I'd perhaps say the same thing about about the head coach. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. Looking what the what the Saints uh, watching them this season, you look. Uh, they haven't really got much about them, have they? Yeah, that's um, what I mean. 
Yeah, they've I'm been in these games. The they're they're like yeah, producing. Yeah. They're getting yards, and they're they've not been too bad. They're just they're missing a bit of sun. sun. Yeah, they're just sort of on, on the verge. Like they, they could be be a good team. They could have a over five hundred record, but they are just missing that that spark. You know, uh, um, on the offense, bright sparks have been there with you know Chris Alave, as we said. Yeah, uh, he's been really good. Done okay. Yeah, Alave could. Uh, it's really look like uh, he could be a good receiver, especially with, you know if, if Thomas as well. If he was fit, you know, um, it, it could work. And yeah, we're we're saying that they're three and six, uh, but as we said, it's one game behind. You, they're only one game behind behind uh, the leaders, and that's how tight it is in that division and in the the NFC. There's still a long way to go. Could all change if things fall into place. You know. You, the Saints, as you said, uh, they're not actually as bad as that, as it may seem. Uh, you know, a few little results that go their way. A tight game against the Bengals. Only lose that by four point four points. Uh, you know, the Vikings, they lose that by three. Um, obviously, against the Bucks earlier on in the season, that was close for the large majority of that yeah. game as well. It, you know, a little bit of luck either side of that. Um, you know, we're talking about a completely different Saints team, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. They could have taken control of this NFC South, perhaps. And I, I think when you get a division like this, and I think this was the case when the Commanders won the East in 2020, is it's about those division games. They become so much more important. It's about beating beating the teams around you, and and because no, not many of you are beating the teams outside the division. So it's about getting the head-to-head sorted. It's about getting the wins in the division in order to win it. And go into the playoffs. So, so those NFC South games are going to be fascinating for the rest of the year. Stan, I think we might have one coming up on Thursday night. Um, we'll gloss over that though. Uh, actually, no. Thursday night football. I think it's the Falcons, Panthers, and those are the two teams we've not talked about yet. Um, again, in t- 2020, neither team, um, neither team was particularly good. But they're coming off big Super Bowl windows with Matt Ryan. And Cam Newton. Is that the game on Thursday night? Yeah, yeah, that is Panthers Falcons Thursday night football. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean that's gonna be super interest- interesting. Both teams are alive. Um especially for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait for it to be fair. Um these NFC oh, South games are gonna be exciting for the rest of you. Panthers. Well I think Yeah, um if they win that game, you know, then they could easily catch us and the the Falcons up. No, just because they they managed to beat you, you think they're they're two and zero. The Panthers are like two and zero, three and zero in the division. Like you never know. Baker yeah, looked division, good when he came in on Sunday. Stinks, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, what I'm saying. So they're still yeah, in it. But, they're still in it. Baker, we know a bit backed up Baker and that. But I mean, did you not see um, the the Ben Bengals uh, Panthers game? Uh, the Bengals were running all over them. They were 28 points up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think they're they're a terrible team. Yeah, I I agree. But they're still in it. After. <laughs> yeah. That's are, you, are you sticking a fork in the Panthers? Are you saying their season is is over hundred percent? Yeah, man. Why else would they have gotten rid of McCaffrey? Yeah, well, because that's the the smart long term building things to do. But maybe you think they've got something in PJ. Maybe maybe okay. Wilkes has got something. No, they're fair think, enough. I don't think the Panthers have got anything. How so? T- how have the Panthers ended up in this position right here? Like, um, obviously the Matt Rule era has been and gone <laughs> over this last two, three years. Talk us through that. Well, you know exactly what I'm going to say, Harry. It's obviously it's Matt Rule. Um, Matt Rule's led them to this position. Matt Rule mm. stinks. Uh, 
He did improve. He got the boot. Five and eleven in twenty twenty. Five and twelve in twenty twenty one. Fired at one and four. What was what, he doing? Um, he's surely no one's really going to be hiring him as a head coach in the NFL anytime soon. No, um, I wouldn't have thought anyway. I bloody hope not. Um, you know, quarterback situation completely and utterly dire um, for the whole period. You know. We had Cam yeah. Newton, Sam Darnold, Treddy Bridgewater. Uh, when I ended up at Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker's come in. Like, what's going on? You know, I know we've backed up Baker a bit on the pod, but they've now got rid of their best offensive weapon in CMC. Uh, I can't see. I, th- I think if they would have kept hold of him, you change coach and it starts it starts to flow a bit better, maybe. But they've just got rid of him, and I, he, I, I can't see it without him. Yeah, no, uh, that's absolutely fair enough. But um, I think it goes to show that since CMC has left and Matt Rule has left, the offense has looked so much better. And obviously, CMC is not the issue. So you, you're looking at Matt Rule and um, his, his record over the last few years. Like this team, this, this Panthers team is a lot better than that record should have been. They should have been showing some improvement along the way. They've got some absolute studs. Do you do you think then the McCaffrey trade was the right decision? Would you maybe... He's such a good player and he's not that old. Would you maybe have kept him still? Yeah, I think I think so. That's difficult to say. Obviously, it's not looking great, but why not? Obviously, I'm just going to hate on Matt Rule. But you just said they have got they've got other players there. You know, you've got like Brian Burns Quite a lot. there. Uh, you know, DJ uh, Moore, DJ Moore, yeah, uh, they've got a good team. Um, uh, and rebuilds look, like turnarounds can happen so quickly. Like, look at the Seahawks, everyone thought they were going to be rebuilding, and yeah. no one was expecting the Bengals. Like, if you have a good free agency in off season, like, they could maybe turn it around next year. But I absolutely I understand the decision to, to get the pick. But they didn't even get a first round pick for him. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the, they were saying that most people were saying that's equivalent what they got like a second, third, fourth, yeah. fifth, whatever is equivalent. But I get that, but still, first, yeah, yeah, is it worth it? You, you weigh it up as we're just saying it. I don't know if it is worth it, but the, but the, following on from the Panthers in general, I mean they've had they just had two more coaches out the door after their last loss against the Bengals, defensive line and the cornerback coaches now gone. See ya. Um, you know, there's been talks perhaps maybe Frank Wright could be the new head coach. Um, didn't go particularly well at the Colts, but you know he's got experience playing and coaching in in Super Bowls. And I could see that. Yeah, he's a fairly trusted coach around the league. Mm. Um, I feel like they've sort of given up too early. Maybe kept could have kept CMC, get fucking rule out, and you never know. As we just said, look at that division. They're two games behind. Yeah, you got to feel like if they'd have somehow known how those games would have gone without McCaffrey, then they wouldn't have traded him away because you just would have been in with a shout of this NFC self. But, um, yeah, well, what do you think? Because they, they, t- they get rid of McCaffrey, but then they turn down apparently uh, an offer of two first rounds, maybe even um, more for Brian Burns, yeah. Well, this is what I mean. I, I don't really get it. You're either all in for the rebuild or you're not, in my opinion. Yeah, Brian Burns still young, and and I guess yeah. I, I guess the Chrissy McCaffrey, I bet the injury sort of scared. Like if he'd never been off injured, yeah. then it'd be different. But the injuries kind of scared them, so they'd be like, "All right, it might actually be a that, couple yeah. of years before we can beat him." So let's just not take the risk with McCaffrey anymore. Yeah, 
I don't know, as we said, maybe the, the whole injury myth around McCaffrey, that's why I'm perhaps not seeing it myself. Um, you know, better head coach in there. <laughs> Who knows? They, they might even turn it around, as you say. Maybe they're not down and out, as, 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 as I'm thinking. They picked up enough talent in... Um... In rules tenure, like in, in the draft, JC Horn, Ekwonu have been yeah. decent first round pickup sort of thing. Like uh, for me, yeah, there's no excuse. Panthers fans, I think you don't need to look further than Matt Rule. You've got rid of him now. Have have hope for the direction of this team, and obviously the head coach is going to play a massive part of it. Be interesting if they got Sean Payton. But I think that owner David Tepper is going to be he, he swung for quarterbacks, not got them. Give these big contracts. He really thought Matt Rule was going to be the guy. Apparently, had such a good relationship. <laughs> leading through the in, in, interview process and all of that shit, so I think he's just he's got his, gonna, one of his bum boys involved. Probably, yeah. But he's got he's got a big imagination table. I think he's gonna go he's gonna go big whatever he does for the Panthers. Uh, the Falcons already have their new head coach, uh, new head coach Arthur Smith is a guy, and I think they're doing that coaching staff's doing really well themselves this year. They they managed their way to seven wins last year. And there's not a lot of talent on there. They've got Marcus Mariota, but again, they're sat joint top of the NFC South with the Bucks. I actually think that the Falcons let Matt Ryan go a year too late. They should have let him go a year earlier. They would have actually got more for him in compensation. I think they could have got um, they could have got a head start sort of on this rebuild. They were never going to win playoff games last year. They somehow got to seven games, which no use to anybody really. Um, but they're looking so good. This uh, is such a talent, poor team. But the the offensive scheming it up, and again, it's a it's another case of we love to rush. We love to rush. Um, <laughs> like to ridiculous levels, Mario is barely throwing the ball. Um, yeah. But Arthur Smith is showing he can command a run game. They've got Pitts and Drake London there, who um, they've only shown flashes so far. But I really like. Both of them, and, and I think with Fantasy Arthur Smith, owners have been in absolute despair yeah, over the carpets, that, haven't they? That's what you, you should have stayed away from them, or perhaps with Mario as a quarterback, like you need somebody there throwing them. Um, People get but, uh, a little wrapped up in ability, don't they? You've got yeah, it's so I get important it. a team and opportunity, I, I think. You know, you don't want to overvalue situation because situation change so quickly. Like they could have a. A really good, great, a really great rookie quarterback next year or whoever from free agency. Um, so I think maybe in general I'd Desmond pick t- talent over. Yeah, who knows? I'd pick talent over situation. Um, but yeah, it must be frustrating for them. Um, but the coaching staff seems so talented. If they can draft right, if they can somehow pick up a quarterback from somewhere, they could have. Um, they could have a team. They could have something. Four and five, you know, as we said again. <laughs> the the in it as much as anyone else in that division, uh, the beat the Forty ers and the Seahawks uh, and had some close games. You know, perhaps not the the best teams, but narrow losses against the Rams, Chargers. Again, a uh, couple of differences, a bit more luck, and perhaps some games where where they've had some narrow losses. We could be talking about the Falcons in a different light, but definitely credit to Arthur Smith. I think uh, the way in which he. He's been able to see the ship of the Falcons, I think, beforehand in the off-season. We were sort of saying how um, their roster could be shocking. One of the worst in the league, if not the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, they're, 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 the division's up for grabs, you know, level with the Bucks. Uh, who knows, I think. Um, you know, Cordero Patterson, he's now back from injury. Um, 
he he was good in, in their game at the weekend. So um, Falcons have opportunities, um, but ultimately, I, d- I don't think they're they're good enough. If you compare them to to the Panthers, this is such a good example of why the coaching staff uh, is so important and the culture they build or whatever. Because you look at the Panthers team and it's so much more talented than the Falcons, but the Falcons have sort mm. of you know found their niche or whatever the. With the run game, they're playing to Mariota's strengths or weaknesses, and and scheming stuff up and being creative. While the culture just seemed broken in in Carolina, they sort of had no game plan. They were jumping from quarterback to quarterback and not really playing to to their own strengths. Um, so it just goes to show the importance of good team building, good coaches, and good um, good structure, good culture. So important, so important. It was, it was sort of been the theme, really, hasn't it? We, you look at the Giants as well. Uh, teams don't not necessarily have to have the best talent, do they? But if you got the right culture, as you say, good coaching, uh, who knows yeah. what can happen? Yeah, I know. I think that definitely is one of the themes. Quarterbacks, obviously, a massive theme. They're they're hugely important to any team. But um, I think we've seen today it needs to be supplemented by coaching. Like in Philadelphia, yeah, even we said with Bruce Arians as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in Tampa, like the coaching's changed. The the players on offense haven't really changed that much. The coaching has, so you got to look at the coaching. It's not supplementing that. And and then on the other side of the spectrum, the Eagles have supplemented it to Jalen Hurts. They figured out what they were doing wrong. They figured out their strength and changed it halfway through the season. And and then even with no quarterback, you can overcome it. Look at the Giants, as you say, with Brian Dable. Uh, look at the Cowboys, what they did with Cooper Rush, um, but then Matt Rule was unable to do that with the quarterbacks that he's had. So, yeah, you know, it's all it's all synergy. It's all working together. You need to get enough things right to be a good team. I think the culture and the coaching is such an important part of it, obviously. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. I think that's a great time to wrap mm. up the episode. Been mm. very interesting diving in. And some key themes that we've come out of it, as we said. Um, so nice conclusion. Interest, interesting to see what we've got there. Um, please share uh, with your friends and family everything. We want more listeners. Get it up uh, on the podcast. Get the downloads up. We want more. Uh, we want more. on Twitter. At throw in rotation um send us an email um if i can even remember the email throw in rotation pod at gmail.com that'll do Um, yeah something like that let us know your thoughts and opinions and we'll see you next time yeah stay tuned for a second episode this week where we're going to be evaluating every first round rookie pick of the 2022 draft thanks for listening and goodbye reese will be joining us next week